thank you for joining us today. I'm Tim St. Dennis. I'm a member of the Board of Trustees for the Center of Spiritual Living in White Rock, BC. We're an inclusive and a learning center of practical and spiritual based in, in, uh, in expression of in conscious living as we can transform our, our own uh, authentic selves. We begin the gathering today. We respectfully acknowledge that we, we live and work in the traditional unceded territory of the Coast Salish uh, nations who've been the stewards and uh, of this land since the time immemorial. I now call upon Diane to uh, say that it almost made me think I could walk on water, which is uh, a speaker today. Um, my term that most, most describes uh, Reverend Doug Craig is the word colorful. Um, <laughs> last, last September, many of us may remember that uh, he came to speak with us and he gave a, a workshop that I, I still remember to this day. And uh, he's, um, but he's uh, in his personal life, he's uh, uh, retired from the Southern Alberta Institute of Technology in Calgary. And he's been involved in New Thought Movement for over four decades. And he was a founding minister of the Red Deer Center for Spiritual Living. Red Deer, Alberta, and served as an associate minister for the Joy of Life at CSL. And uh, he's extended his ministry and involved many spiritual services, one of which is guest lecturing. And we uh, called upon him at uh, short notice when uh, Reverend Cassandra could not be with us, and he stepped up. And, uh, and uh, again, I'd like to thank you in advance for that. And he Zoomed with us all the way from Calgary. There's many talents, I'm sure he'll share with us and I can't wait to hear what he has to say so please uh, uh, join me as I give a warm loving CSO White Rock welcome to Reverend Doug Craig. Doug. Good morning everybody. Can you hear me? I'm on? Okay well it's great to be here with you today and you know I decided it'd be a better uh, look at one of those age-old topics called faith. And so the title is, You Can't Walk on the Water Till You Get Out of the Boat. And the whole story on faith that I'm doing evolves around uh, this guy that we know in the New Testament as Peter. And um, just a minute, excuse me. I'm just trying to get my screen right. Okay, and Peter, he uh, was the first disciple of Jesus that was called. And uh, one of the important things about that, I'm just fiddling around with the computer here. I'll just get right into it now. Uh, yeah, in the metaphysical teaching, the 12 disciples of Jesus represent each one of the 12 faculties of building ourselves. And faith is the, uh, the foundation of our life. It is the most important one. Uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter uh, 16, verse 18, he called Peter first. And he said, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, there's a couple of interesting things here. First, Jesus didn't build a church. So the church he was talking about was building ourself. And Peter, uh, in the translation into Greek, is Petros. 
and Petros means rock or solid. So the first disciple called is Peter, and that's faith. That faith represents the solidity of the foundation that we need to work at building our life upon. Most important thing that we can do. And uh, of course, that is always a challenge. And uh, Jesus spoke about that a little later on in Matthew. And he talked about a, a man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. It was founded upon faith. And that's that development of that spiritual self. And, of course, he talks about the foolish man who built his house upon sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell and how great the fall is. And that's just a little indication that if we put our faith in circumstances or situations, then it, it will crumble and will be devastated. However, we build ourselves and our life upon faith. That is a foundation. And anybody in the construction industry will tell you that if you don't have a good foundation, the structure doesn't last. We got a brand new apartment building down in an elite district in Kensington that has to come down because the foundation wasn't built properly. And they have to take it all down floor by floor and rebuild it. So you got to have that. that. That's really key. Then the next thing uh, on this journey, life is all about faith and risk. You know, strange bedfellows, those two. But both of them go hand in hand. Uh, one of the favorite stories there in Matthew is, uh, it, it was, uh, let me just paint the picture of when it was. It was that time uh, when uh, the caterers screwed up and they didn't have enough at one of Jesus' seminars. And so he had to stay behind to feed the crowd with some fish and bread. And uh, meanwhile, it was quite a chore. So he sent the disciples back to the boat. Of course, they took the, the little boat to go back to the big ship. And after Jesus done, he, he went and prayed and got centered. That's what we do after a busy day. No, get, get calm, get centered, get peaceful. He goes there and hey, you know, no problem. He's got to get to the boat. So he walks on the water. And of course, the disciples see this and they freak out. Oh, wow. Well, what's this? What's this? And he said, you know, fear not. It is I. And there's Peter. Now, this, this is very important, folks. This is very important. He says, can I walk on the water? And Jesus said, yes. And he got out of the boat and he was doing just fine. And then all of a sudden, you know, this happens, eh? The wind started to come up and the waves started to go and he turned away and gave his power and control over to the conditions and circumstance. And guess what? He began to sink and he reached out his hand, master save me. And Jesus said, oh, ye of little faith. And you see, that's one of the benchmarks uh, that I think is very important in this journey is we can declare our faith and state it, and that's fine. However, we have to prove it, not to ourselves or to anybody else, but to ourselves. So we've got to go about proving our faith. And then part of that is being, here's a strange bedfellows, being willing to risk and 
stop it, we step into the risk with faith. And I, I just like to read this one about risk. It's one of my favorites. To laugh is to risk being the fool. To weep is a risk appearing sentimental. To reach other out for another is to risk involvement. To expose feeling is to risk exposing your true self. To place your ideas, your dreams before the crowd is to risk their loss. To love is risk not being loved in return. To live is to risk dying. To hope is to risk despair. To try is to risk failure. But risk must be taken because the greatest hazard in life is to risk nothing. The person who risks nothing, does nothing, has nothing, and is nothing. We may avoid suffering and sorrow, but we simply cannot learn, feel, change, grow, love, and live. Chained by our certitudes, we are slaves. We have forfeited our freedom. Only a person who risks is free. And that is one of the greatest things that we can do is risk. And then people say, but I'm afraid. Well, you know, whenever you go into the uncomfort zone, that is always going to be there because that human ego part of yourself does not know what you're stepping into. And so it is cautious and it has fear. And there is only one cure for that, by the way. It's a quickie. Two words, four letters, do it. When you do it, the fear goes away one way or another because you're in the middle of the experience. So what we got to do is learn to walk with the faith of God as opposed to a faith in God. And that's the practice. So how do we practice walking with the faith of God? We take that into our risk, into any situation. Well, here you go. Get your pencils out and make this list. This is what you got to work at removing from consciousness while you're doing anything. Doubt, worry, fear. Top three, doubt, worry, fear. Resentment, animosity, impatience. Oh yeah, that's a good one. We want it now, don't we? And avoid catastrophizing controlling, being reactive, and negativity. That destroys faith and limit the risk that you're willing to take. So doubt, worry, fear, resentment, animosity, impatience, catastrophizing, controlling, reactive, and negativity. People say, what's catastrophizing? It's blowing something out of proportions and letting your mind go crazy with it. Easy to do because your mind will go anywhere you want. So if that's what we got to stop doing, what do we got to practice more of? We got to practice more trusting and believing in the spirit and believing in ourselves, having confidence, letting go of control. Oh, yeah. That's the way to be in perfect control if you can let go of control. The person can get low of control is in perfect control because the spirit will guide you and prompt you anytime you need to know anything. And also, uh, no attachment to any of the outcomes because outcomes can change. Things can change. Just go into it with best intention. And then being proactive rather than reactive and working with positivity 
And this is walking with the faith of God, stepping into that experience and having all of that. And by the way, people say, well, that's easy to say. Absolutely, 100%. It's the easiest thing in the world to say. However, we never get there if we don't practice it. And if we keep practicing it in incremental degrees, we do get there. And this strange bedfellow comes upon us. It's called peace. If you want to know how to get inner peace, that's one of the ways to do it. And you say, well, I'm constantly doing something different. And I'm constantly going through this process of risk and change. That's okay. So is everybody else. Big or little. We all go through it. So life all about that. Now, doesn't matter what you do. This always comes up. One of the keys is forgiveness and release. Yeah, we got to work at forgiveness and release. Uh, when Peter was ticked at somebody, he asked if he should forgive him seven times. And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. And there's a very, very high emphasis on forgiveness. Uh, I got to be real clear with people about this. So uh, most of the time when you take forgiveness from anybody, they'll tell you that you got to learn to love the person and then let them go. No, that's not true. You don't have to. Some will tell you you've got to at least like the person. No, you don't have to. You don't have to like or love anybody that maybe you've been carrying something against. All that is required to do, and this is the minimum, is become neutral. And you know, there's, there, there's a few people that I've never been able to come to love or like, but I am neutral about them. And when I do think about them, I, I don't have any ill thoughts or feelings at all. I just say, God bless them. You see, that's one of the toughest things to do. Dr. Ernest Holmes in The Science of Mind, he said, the mind which condemns understand not the truth of its being. And the heart which would shut the door of its bosom to the one who is mistaken strangles its own life, closing its eyes to a greater vision. The biggest life is the one which includes the most. Not that we foster vice or place a premium upon wrongdoing, but that we understand the frailties of human nature and learn to overlook much. To him who loves much, much is forgiven. I guess probably one of the biggest demonstrations of living in the light and uh, walking in faith is, is a story of my experience of getting back to being a, a mountain man again. And I got back into it seriously in 1996. And I've logged over 8,000 kilometers and been to 30 tops during that time. And, and that, that was innate in my being. But you said, well, where does the faith come in there? Well, I, I had severe addictions. Anybody here else got severe addictions of any kind or had any? Well, I, I had just about all of the top 10. And uh, one of the ones that caused me the greatest concern and the hardest to deal with was eating disorders. And I mean, it was severe for me. And uh, I was at one time, I uh, tipped in at 425 pounds. Try that on for size. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm half the size now was what I was. Okay. And I went and I did my work. Uh, I did counseling one-on-one -on -one for two years, group for one year. And I come to understand that the nature of all of what the disorder was, was the nature of the disorder in a lot of my other addictions. And it is something that I just have to learn to live with today. I'm just one of those people that got an obsessive compulsive behavior. I just go to the mountains all instead of doing drugs now and stuff like that, you know, but I've learned to do that. And with the faith of walking the faith, not having the faith in God, we start there, but when we have the faith of God, we walk that. And then eventually what it is that we are accomplishing uh, becomes clear to us. And I started that journey. And uh, one of the greatest joys was I started taking my uh, one grandson, all of them, but this one, when he was six years old into the mountains and he's 23 this year, we've done 18 years of hiking together. So there's a, a wonderful benefit if someone can walk with the faith of God. And by the way, the key word there, is patience and it's patience 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 and then more patience you have to learn to be patient with yourself or else you get upset and you introduce negativity and boom you're right out of faith back into the sewer or the septic tank it all looks the same and smells the same you know what i'm talking about so we we, we got to work to try and get ourselves to that position now the other aspect that's really important here is betrayal. I'm not talking about anybody or anything else. I'm talking about betraying ourselves and lying to ourselves. And there's really, really good story in the scripture about that. And I, I like it is when. Uh, Jesus was kind of having the last supper before the big night there and he's uh, looking out there and to all of the people and he's, he's saying that you're going to be offended by knowing me and Peter, the faith stands up and he says, don't matter how many men are offended by you, I shall never be offended. Anybody ever make a strong declaration like that? And Jesus said, yeah, well, this night before the night's over and the cock crowed, you shall betray me or deny me three times. And of course, Peter loses it. He said, nah, he said, I die rather than that. And you know, we, we have made that promise to ourselves. I'll talk about eating disorders. I was going to start tomorrow. I started a thousand tomorrows and I just lied to myself and betrayed myself. And that is the greatest missing the mark of all when we get down on that and say that and we're convinced of that and we're going to do it and we don't. Now, there's not, nothing wrong with not doing it, but just get off the wagon about saying you're going to. Just do what you say you're going to do and then things start to smooth out. And true enough, there he was, a damsel come on to him and said, hey, you know Jesus of Galilee. He said, oh, no, don't know him. And then a maid saw him and asked him that. And he said, no, don't know him. And then some others called him and he says, no, don't know them. And sure enough, 
three times he, he, he betrayed him and denied knowing him before the cock crowed because he was afraid, you see. And that's part of what, what happens to us. We become afraid and then we betray ourselves and deny it. And, and it's really tough if you get in your consciousness this idea of betraying and lying to yourself. It doesn't matter about other people. When you quit doing that to yourself, you'll never do that to anybody else. It just doesn't happen. Okay? If you've betrayed people or denied people in the past knowing them because of that, uh, that's because you've just betrayed yourself somewhere along your life. And so we really need to look at that because that's one of the most powerful things we can do is quit telling ourselves lies. You know, lots of times people say, well, I promise I'll do that. Anybody ever done that and not do it? I think everybody has. And, and you know, I decided uh, lots of times I would promise to do something and didn't want to do it after. Anybody do that? So I decided that I was going to stop. This was about 30 years ago when I got onto this, that I was going to stop lying to myself. And I decided I would not make a promise unless I was going to keep it, regardless of what happened after the fact. So therefore, I don't make a lot of promises, very few, because I think about them before I make them. And if I make them, I do it, even if after I don't want to do it. I do it because I commit it and I don't do it for the other person. Be clear, I do it for myself. Very, very important. So now we're going to talk about the last idea here. And this is about what we do when we are losing or have lost our faith. Now, one of the things that happens to people is we, we really get down on ourselves when we do that. Yeah? Truth of the matter, folks, is it don't matter who you are, if the stress is bad enough, you're in a human experience and your faith will falter. And it even happened to Jesus. And this was when uh, he was in... Uh, Gethsemane and he went with the three disciples to off to meditate and pray and if you look at scripture Jesus always went off to a mount or at a, which is a high place of spiritual exaltation he always went off to pray to center himself to get away from the mass consciousness and a lot of the times he took the three disciples Peter James and John well we know Peter's faith so you always take your faith with you when you go to meditate or pray but James and John are interesting characters. Those are the sons of Zebedee, who sat on the left and right of Jesus. And uh, James is wisdom or the head, and John is love or the heart. So he goes off during these times of duress to meditate and pray, and he takes his three disciples with him, his head, his heart, and his faith, because he needed it before the uh, trial and the crucifixion, you see. And when he went off to pray, not once, not twice, but three times his disciples fell asleep. So symbolically, three times while he was praying, that stress of the human experience was taking him back into losing that connection with his head, heart, and his faith. 
So don't feel bad, folks, if it happens to you, because it happened to the greatest teacher of all time, in my opinion. And that's something that it happens to every one of us. However, it's through conscientious practice and through releasing the browbeating of ourself that we do it. How did I get to that point? Well, it, it, it was this book I read called The Science of Mind that uh, after a year, I, a year and a half, I was into this, I got it for Christmas. And I got to this one page and I got to this one statement there on that page and the next page. And every time I read that, I threw it against the wall. But you know, every time I got into a spot, I picked it up and read it. And I got mad and threw it against the wall because, you know, we all think we're doing really well. And then you need something to kind of ground you. Well, mark this down. This is my favorite all-time quote of anybody or anywhere. And it's page 282 and 283 of the Science of Mind textbook. And he says, stay with the one and never deviate from it. Never leave it for a moment. Nothing else can equal this attitude. And this is the part that gets me. To desert the truth in the hour of need is to prove that we do not know the truth. Oh, that's the tough one. That brings you back into faith real quick, folks. When things look the worst is the best time to work, the most satisfying time. The person who can throw himself with complete abandon into that limitless sea of receptivity having cut loose from all parent moorings is the one who will always receive the greatest rewards. And of course, he talks about faith. And he says it's the power of prayer. It's a mental attitude against which there is no longer any contradiction in the mind that entertains it. Faith is a mental attitude which is so convinced of its own idea, which so completely accepts it, that any contradiction is unthinkable and impossible. Before such a mental attitude can be created, there must be nothing left in the subjective state of our thought which contradicts our objective affirmation. So that's where we're going to get that strength and that courage is to realize that faith is not something that somebody bestows upon you. It's not something something outside of yourself gives you because the spirit is everything it's in us. It's something that we give ourselves by creating the portal or the channel through which the spiritual essence can flow through us unencumbered by any Klingons. This is a Star Trek thing, by the way, Klingons. Okay. And so <laughs> we got to get rid of all of those Klingons and that's like doing your inner plumbing. And that's one of the greatest things we can do. And then it's the old saying, you know, paradise lost, paradise regained. Well, we have faith lost, faith regained. And the sooner we can nip it in the bud and get back on the bandwagon, the better we are and to trust. And that comes to a conversation I had with uh, Sherry earlier in the week. And uh, when she found out that she was kind of stuck there for a minute with uh, the Reverend happened to be away, and uh, she just really kind of trusted herself, but with a bit of anxiety gave me a call, and she said, oh, I didn't think it would be that quick and easy. Well, you know, when you're 
doing things with the right intention and go the right way and get your stuff out of the way, things do happen that, that way. Okay. And the joy and ease doesn't always necessarily mean that there isn't any uh, conflict involved because anytime you go in to do something new, the joy and ease part means limiting what you can of any inhibitions to doing whatever it is and steering clear and really trusting yourself. That's the big thing, folks. Trusting that there is something in you that is there for you that works through you by means of you that will give you and guide you to whatever it is you need to know or do to have the experiences that you desire to have. And it's that's true. Sometimes you might not like what you have to do, but that's the way it is. And I can guarantee you 100% just from my own personal journey that if one practices this, on a regular basis, the one thing that I have grown to experience more and more is what I think we all covet, peace, prosperity, fulfillment, and happiness. So for me, I know that whatever I desire and I'm willing to commit to, unequivocally walking in with the faith of God, I can bring into my experience in a multitude of different ways. And as I do this, I accept that I am worthy of this peace, prosperity, fulfillment, and happiness. And I know that divine right action takes place in my life. And there's a gradual, orderly, sequential unfoldment into form of the highest, the best of that I am. I know it for me. I know it for you. And I accept it. I give thanks for it. And so it is. Whee!